yesterday, I'm happy to be here. That is why I'm here tonight. But thank you so much. The hospitality, the, oh man, is, is, you are just out of this world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, there are some places you go to. I don't know about you, but there are some places you go to. And even before you start, you've made up your mind. That if wild horses, wild horses cannot pull me back. But this one, I thank God that I came here. Amen and amen. And again, I want to observe all protocols, the men and the women of God in the house. God bless you so much. God richly bless you. Let's appreciate them. You know, you, you, you may not understand unless you are one. When, when it's a Saturday and you have to preach on Sunday and you don't have a message yet <laughs> and all your scriptures are gone from your head. And you have to go and sit somewhere and pretend you're happy. It's not a joke. So I thank God for your life, sir. I really thank God for your life, for your time. I don't take you for granted at all. It's because of you that this gospel is being spread from corner to corner, from place to place. God richly bless you for all your sacrifices. Amen. And um, how many of you were here last night? Okay. How many of you were not here last night? Okay, how many of you don't remember whether you were here or not? Because <laughs> it's the same hands, the same number of hands. So I'm, I'm not too sure. Because last night and today is a long time. So about, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 24 hours. So you can tell I'm learning. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning from the best. <laughs> yeah. How many of you are number 12? And uh, those of you who don't know, th those, of, those of us who know will tell those of you who don't know after we are finished knowing. Is that okay? Yeah, so wait for them to know. Then after they know, then they will tell you. That, so that if you know, then you know. And if you don't know, then forget it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These people are spoiling me. I'm going, I'm going to go back and they're going to ask me, who has infected you? You know. But, you know, yes. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I, to, I told you about that atmosphere. You know, atmospheres can spoil you, and you guys are spoiling me gradually. No, I really need to. <laughs> oh, blessed be God. Blessed be God. But yesterday we, we started a journey about advancing, moving forward, pressing on. And we established that God is a dynamic God. It is never his intention for us to stand still. Anytime you see the Lord, he's moving us from one glory to another, from faith to faith, from strength to strength. You know, and we talked about all the isms in the world, communism, capitalism, socialism, and unfortunately in the church we have standstillism. And, and uh, we, we, we try to move you, we, we try to move you to the place that goes. Even if you're on the right track and you stand still, something will run over you. So you need to move. You need to do something. And today we're going to press on along the same trajectory. I promised myself with a sign of cross, I'm doing it again, that today I'm going to take my time, not be misbehave because uh, you had a bad influence on me yesterday and I started misbehaving like you. So I'm going to be very calm like, like Pastor G's vicar, you know, the one she was talking about, I want to be like that, very calm, and then talk to you. But... Um, Judges number, chapter number seven, Judges. Even though we are reading from Judges, we are not going to judge you. 
Judges chapter 7. We are reading the first 11 verses. Judges, very interesting, very familiar scripture. I want to draw out some few things. Today I'm going to take my time and really talk to you. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and then come beside the well of Harod so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. This must show you that not everybody who is with you is for you. Number four. But the Lord said to Gideon, who visit again, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laughs from the water with his tongue as a dog laughs, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, anyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who laughed, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who laughed, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the people, let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down to the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened and to go down against the camp. And then he went down with Pura his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now, and, so, and so on and so forth. I think I'm going to end here and we'll, we'll continue somewhere. But this is, this is part of the narrative of Israel's journey as they departed from Egypt to enter into their promised land. And God had given them a word. And I think I established here yesterday that every time that God spoke with Moses in Egypt, he kept talking about the promised land, Canaan, Canaan, Canaan. But God never talked about the wilderness. He never talked about the Philistines. He never talked about all the challenges they were going to meet. Because there's a thing about God that he normally will give us some surprises. Because if he told us everything, we would never obey him. If he told, told you how many people would betray you, you would never do this thing. If he told you the things that you face. And the journey from Egypt to the promised land is a type of the Christian life. One of the errors that we have made over the years is sometimes we equate the promised land with heaven. But the promised land, Canaan is not heaven. Because in heaven, there are no Philistines to fight. In heaven, there is no fight. 
The promised land is a type of the victorious Christian life. Where you fight enemies, you fight things, and you win. And tonight I'm using part of this book of Judges as a template because it's going to teach you some strategies. Tonight I'm dealing with wisdom strategies to win, to advance in life. Because ladies and gentlemen, you are not a born winner. Neither you are a born loser. You are a born chooser. I know people say I'm born to win. No, no, no. You are a born chooser. It's a choice that you've got to make. And we are going to pick up some very vital, important lessons, strategies that will be beneficial to us in the days ahead. Because one of the things that you've got to learn, ladies and gentlemen, is that there are different strategies for different times and for different kinds of warfare. Just like there are different rules to every game, you don't use the rules of football to apply to hockey. In the same way, there are differences that we do. And the book of Judges teaches us a whole lot of things. In fact, the first strategy that God gave to, gave to, the, to them as they, as they entered into the promised land proper was the weapon of praise. They asked who will go first. And they said, Judah will go first. Judah is praise. That is why, listen, don't let anybody hinder your praise. Amen. Oh, come on. I said, don't let anybody hinder your praise. Because praise is a weapon. Am I talking to somebody? Don't let anybody stifle your praise. Praise is a weapon. The Bible says that God is holy and he sits on the praises of his people. The Japanese translation of that says that when you praise God, he brings his big chair and he sits on it. And when God sits on a big chair, it's to legislate on your behalf. Am I talking to somebody? Don't let anybody stop your praise. The book says that when, when Israel came from a strange land, Judah was his sanctuary. You know, Judah was, was his habitation. And the Bible says that the hills saw them and the hills came around. The mountains saw them and the mountains ran away. The, the sea saw them and the sea escaped. And, and, the, and, the, and the water saw them, the Jordan and the Jordan parted. And a voice came and asked these, these elements, that mountains and hills and rivers and, and, and Jordan, why are you running? They said, we are running from the presence of the Lord. How did they know? Because praise was in the house. There are some things that all your fasting, all your, all your crying, all your deliverance will do. It's the praises of God that will do it. That is why the psalmist said that I will bless the Lord at all times. Not sometime. Listen, anyone can praise God when you have been overpaid. Because any dead fish can float downstream. But he said, I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall boast itself in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us sought his name together for I saw the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and they were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed for this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all his trouble. Ah, come on. Don't let anything stop your praise. He said Judah shall go first. That is why apart from every other thing that Judas did his betrayal of Jesus was the most was, was so painful because Judah and Judas come from the same roots. The only difference is that Judas is corrupted praise. There are different tragedies. And today we are going to consider using wisdom as a weapon. I told you yesterday that Muslims go to the mosque. They take off their shoes. 
Unfortunately, Christians go to church, they take up their brains. You need wisdom. Because there are some battles you are going to face in this life. You don't need sheer force. You need wisdom. Because when an insect lies on your nose, you don't deal with it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> Am I making sense? I told you I'm taking my time today. Proverbs 24, 6, Proverbs 24 6 says, By wise counsel, you will wage your own war. Wise counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, if the, if the Bible tells us that wisdom is the principal thing, it means, listen, if you have to sell everything to buy wisdom, buy it. It's very important. Because when wisdom works out, struggle moves in. A lot of your problems you are going to find out are not demon problems. They are wisdom problems. The absence of wisdom signifies the beginning of unnecessary pain. Wisdom is the wall that protects you from unnecessary onslaught of the enemy. Would you agree with me that sometimes you can look into your life at some times and seasons of pain in your life and honestly admit that this was not the enemy? We blame Satan for everything. We blame him for everything. We blame others. We are always blaming. <laughs> we are blaming for everything. But can you check your wisdom meter? Because many times the things that we go through, they are just wisdom issues. Sometimes it's nothing but bad decisions. If you make 100 pounds a week and you are spending 102 pounds a week, where is Satan in it? Why is Satan in that thing? In fact, I, 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 this book has, is long overdue. I have to publish this thing because every day, I, I, my wife is telling me, can you stop and just publish the thing? Because every day I'm adding some things. And the last two chapters, the, the last but one chapter says, leave God out of this. Because there are some things that we say, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. And you and I know the Lord, the Lord is not foolish like this. No, 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 no. Leave him out of this. And the Lord said, that you, what Lord? And the Lord showed me, really, if this is God, then he needs to go to school. So that chapter is leave God. You know, charismatics and Pentecostals, we like to spiritualize things. And the Lord said, you have heard nothing. And said, and I saw an angel. Meanwhile, it's not an angel. It's those white birds that follow cows. You know, those white birds. Are we working? And the last chapter is leave Satan out of this. Because there are some things, no, 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 it's just, it's just, it's just bad decisions. It's not Satan. You are, you are, listen, if you want to know the Satan, go home, take a mirror and, watch, and look in. Satan is watching. Bad decisions. Some too is nothing but bad theology. Sometimes our theology can be crooked. Especially for where I'm, from where I'm coming from. What is it about us that make you think that God must hate the person you hate? to trouble you. I came to trouble you a little bit. I was asked, I was minding my business when Pastor Chris and Pastor Gloria got me here. What makes you think that God must hate the person you hate? So listen to your prayers. Lord, kill them. Lord, do this. Lord, that. And you wake up and the person is nice. It's okay. Because that could it be possible that the person you hate, God is madly in love with that person. 
sorry. When I'm gone, he will come and correct me. He will come. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's, a, it's you know it's a, it's our cultural beliefs. It's our cultural beliefs. But let me set a little scene and we get into business today. Israel had been under Midianite oppression for a long time, and. Uh, they were fearful. They were hiding in caves. They were hiding in dens. They were in mountains. And they had been crying out to God for deliverance. And the answer came to them in the form of a person. Now please hear me. Sometimes when you cry to God and it feels like he's not answering, he's answering. Because God doesn't have to talk to speak. Just like you don't have to understand to understand. Because the day I discovered that by faith, Hebrews 11:3, by faith we understand, then I realized that there are some things I don't have to understand to understand. Because as I stand here, there are a lot of things I don't understand. The thing is the things that I understand that trouble me, not the ones I don't understand. I don't understand how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk and yellow butter, but it happens. Hmm? <laughs> Am I talking to someone? So there are some things that by faith. We understand that the words were framed by the words, the word of God. And I, I realized that many times when God is not maybe talking to you directly, could it be possible that he's talking to your answer? Because when Israel was crying out to God for deliverance from Egypt, God didn't directly talk to you. He was talking to somebody at the backside of the desert. So it could be possible, ladies and gentlemen, that you are angry with God. Why is he not talking to me? Maybe he's talking to the one who will be an answer to you. Because, listen, favor is not only when God is talking to you. Favor is also when he's talking to somebody. And I'm here to submit to somebody that it will be possible that somebody is losing sleep because of you. Because there's a breakthrough that you need that is in the hands of somebody. Because what God hasn't given to you, he has given it to somebody's hands. So that it will become a seed in the hands of the person to bless you. So that they can also get a Am I talking to somebody today? So, so God talks to Gideon and interestingly Gideon is, a, is as fearful, fearful as his fellow citizens we'll look at that God can use anybody anybody and the Lord called Gideon in fact when God gets said Gideon mighty man, hey yo Gid what's up Gid and, and Gideon was looking around like who is he talking about me? <laughs> it, it makes me remember, Pastor Gloria, the, 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 the day I gave my life to the Lord, I, this, this woman gave me so much pressure. Come to church with me and, and just to get her off my back, I said, next Sunday, bad mistake. I, you know, I got saved by mistake. And this is one of the best mistakes. And every Sunday, I go to, I go to play football. And on, yeah, I didn't used to look like this. Those of you, I'm sure Pastor Moses knows. I used, I used to run for Ghana at a point. Oh, yes. Wait, wait, wait. I used to do that. But I didn't look like this when I used to run. Those days when I ran, they timed me with a stopwatch. Today when I run, they will time me with a calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you know, that, that, listen, that is why you shouldn't, you should not, you should not worry about, you should not worry about growing old. Nature will take care of it for you. You know how sometimes you bend down to lace your shoes, you come out and you black out. It's not demons, you are growing. Nature is doing its work for you. I wanted to get this woman off my back, you know. And, and, and that's, that, that Sunday, I had gone to play football. I came home and I had a knock. 
And I said, who is that? I said, Sister Sophia. I said, oh, Lord God Almighty, can this woman just die so that I can tell God she died in it? She said, you promised me. And I said, okay, wait, 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 wait. I didn't have any intention. So I just went and laid down in my room. After about one hour, the knock came again. I'm still waiting. Oh, God Almighty. I don't remember whether I, I took a shower or not. I mean, that, is, that, that day I fulfilled the scripture that said he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And he opened not his mouth. This woman paraded me to church. And I sat down. And this preacher started preaching. And the man was talking about me. And I got angry. This woman has set me up. She stole the man all my sins. And the man, the man will come and stand in front of me and, and point his side. You need to give your life to Jesus. You're going to help. Am I the only sinner in Jerusalem? So right after church, I mean, I zoomed out. And Sister Sophie came later and said, how was church? I said, you. You. You, you, you reported. He said, no, no, no. He's a visiting speaker. And I said, visiting what? He said, oh, he just came this morning to preach. And I said, you didn't tell him about me? She said, no. I said, mm. She said, will you come to church again? I said, over my dead body. I didn't know I was going to die in church. <laughs> it was the old creature. You, you like to hear too much. I'm, I'm not telling much. I saw someone in their ears were like this. But you know, I sat at the back. When I got born again, I sat. I just come from hell. I was smelling like hell. I smoked everything from grass to bamboo. I mean everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's why I look at people and I, I oh, listen. <laughs> that is why I told you yesterday, you will not understand my jubilation when you don't know my tribulation. <laughs> but I used to sit at the back. I didn't want trouble. Yes. Then one day, pastor comes up and he's preaching and his, his interpreter was turned around. The guy was standing outside. Out of that, I preached a whole message one day called uh, Occupy Vacant Positions. The guy was gifted interpretation, but he had pride in abundance. If pride was measured in square meters, he should be living in the Sahara. And the, my pastor pointed and said, you come. I was seated at the back. I was just like Gideon. I was because anytime they say let's share the grace, I was gone. I didn't want trouble. I've just come out of hell. I'm trying to Christianize myself. I was under so much guilt of all the things that I had done. And the man was called. I said, then I said, me. He said, you. Then I looked back because I had my back to the but I was still looking just in case there was something. <laughs> the, the longest walk I ever took in my life was from the back of that church. Small church to the front. I had diarrhea, I had measles, chicken pox, uh, everything. I stood beside him. He said, from today, you will interpret me. My God, that day I believed in miracles. It was like scriptures were, the things were coming out of me like something. I remember preaching for Archbishop Duncan Williams one day, one early morning, and they told me, the security said, this guy wants to see you. And I said, what's his name? They told, and that was the guy. He came to me. He was begging for things. And I looked at him and I said, I believe that what I'm doing today, you should have been doing it. That is why you should understand that. You are, you are not indispensable. I never in my wildest dream, let me tell you, I can look into my family back, 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 and I can safely say that I am the first one who got, who got born again. That is why I call myself the first stone. David picked up five stones. He didn't need any of them. The first stone brought down Goliath, and I'm the first stone in the hands of God to bring down the Goliath that have been mocking my family. But that is how Gideon, Gideon felt. The angel said, hey, you're Gideon. And he said, who are you talking about me? He said, you, mighty man of valor. 
And the Lord assured Gideon that he will use him to defeat the enemy. Please hear me. Never doubt the word of God over your head. Because God knows more than you know. God knows you more than you know yourself. So you better believe what God is saying to you. God said you are a mighty man of valor. And God commissions him to go and lead Israel into battle to fight the Midianites. And here is where we begin to find some strategies, some wisdom strategies to win. And I'm just exigiting them from this little, uh, this short passage that we have read. Gideon calls for people to come and help. And the book says that over 32,000 men reported for battle. And you know how God began to sift things. And today, hopefully, I'll be able to put some things in your way. The first strategy that I found is in verse number two. It says that the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for himself against me, saying my own hand had saved me. So number one strategy is that you must value the ways of God. I told you today, I'll just take my time to teach the ways of God. God was saying to Gideon and to somebody tonight that you are going to win but you will not win the way that you think you are going to win. Because if I allow you to win the way you think, you will think you won it by yourself. That's what he says here. It's as simple as that. Hear me. One of the things that you must always determine to find is God's ways for you. I told you that Pharaoh and his army they drowned in the Red Sea because they followed a word that was not theirs. Go forward was for Moses and Israel. It wasn't for Pharaoh and Egypt. So you have to find the ways of God for yourself. Psalm 103 verse 7, the Bible says that he made known his ways to Moses, the man of God. But to the children of Israel, he made known his acts. There's a difference between knowing his acts and knowing his ways. Listen, it is young ones, immature ones that are always looking for the acts of God. But when you mature, you want to know the ways of God. Which means when God has blessed you with something physical, could you ask him that, why did you give that to me? Because chances are that it may not be for me, it may be for somebody. Because God God wants me to sow that seed so that he can bless me out of that. The ways of God. You must seek the ways of It's very important. People, if you, if you are going to walk in, in victory and possess what is yours, you must value the ways of God. He said in Isaiah that as the rains come from heaven and the snow and does not return but the first waters the earth and causes the seed to, you know, he says, so shall my word be. It shall not return to me void. But before then, he says that for your ways are not my ways. And my thoughts, God's ways and his thoughts are diametrically opposed to ours. And sometimes God's ways do not make, do not make sense. Hear me, God was telling Gideon, I want to show you something. Imagine when Moses brought the children of Israel out of, out of Egyptian captivity. All he knew was promised land. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 13 that God did not lead them straight. You see, God doesn't do direct flight. He, he said even though they could have gone through straight to the promised land, he led them round about because he wanted to prepare them. God has to prepare you for what he has prepared for you. Other than that, you get to that place and you can't. Listen, there are people here, if God should give you one million pounds tonight, it can destroy you. And you are saying, let him try me. He won't try you. 
A man died and left one million, one million pounds to his, to his nephew. But the only thing is that the nephew had a heart situation, so everybody was afraid to break the good news to him because it could trigger a heart attack. So they went to his pastor. Say, Pastor, Brother Johnny's uncle died and left him one million pounds. You must find a way to break the news to him gently so that it doesn't trick. Oh, the pastor said, no problem. On Sunday after church, pastor said, Johnny, come, come, come. Let me ask you a question. If somebody died and left you one, pound, one, one million pounds, what would you do? The guy thought a little bit and said, I'll give half of it to the church. The pastor fell down and died. Now, if you are not laughing, you didn't get it. Yeah, forget it. Forget it. You see, God had to take them the long route, the long route, in order to increase their ability to handle the dangers of premature exposure. Some of you want to be known, and God will want will make you known. Then you find out that you don't want to be known. God prepares you in the crucible of quietness. He hides you. John the Baptist was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation to Israel. So God will have to take you. Sometimes God takes you on a long walk for a reason and for a purpose. It is the way of learning. You have to know him. You have to know yourself. You have to know others. God does that. Sometimes that walk, that ways of God is the ways of loneliness because you'll never be able to walk far with God until you have learned to walk alone with him. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes this generation, we are too polluted. We can't stay still for a minute and wait for God to talk to us. We are so polluted that if the television broke down, we have to turn on the washing machine so that at least something can move. But sometimes you need seasons of solitude. You need to connect to him. You need to have time. You, you, you need to stay in his presence because Moses saw it and said, Lord, if this thing called presence doesn't go with me, I'm not moving. Because how shall the nations know that I am separate? I am different. There must be something. There were many tabernacles in the wilderness, but one of them was different because the Sakana glory stayed upon the thing. And we all could look, listen, we all could look the same, but there must be something that sits upon you that makes people wonder that what is it about you? You are going through a whole lot of things and yet you still have your smile about you. They drag you through the mud and still you know that our God is able. They have done everything they know they can do to you. They have done their worst and yet their worst is not enough because you are know him. God is saying that, listen, value my ways. Because if you do it your own way, you can easily lose it later. Because you can go into other battles thinking that it's your own strength, your own ingenuity, your own smartness that won it for you. May I say something? Winning is not the end of your battle. Would this shock you if I told you that winning doesn't make you a winner? Winning exposes you. <laughs> when David defeated Goliath, that was when, that, that didn't make David a warrior. He was already one. It only exposed him to everybody else. So when you win, your winning is an exposure. Then people begin to see you. That is why God in his wisdom sometimes will take you on ways that don't make sense. It is his way. He will take you through the long route even though you prefer the short one. 
He will take you through the hard way, even though it's the easy way. He will give you the difficult way, even though you want a way out without difficulty. But that is how God prepares. How can you go to a store? How can you go to, uh, what, what are the grocery stores here? Um, Sainsbury's and, and, and ask them, uh, where can I buy three years of experience? They say, uh, three. three years. No. There are some things you've got to go through. You can't escape the process, my friend. You can't escape the process. That is why I told you yesterday that I am not a gift. People say, he's a, I'm not a gift. I'm a result. How can you call yourself a general when you haven't even killed a mosquito before? You are talking about spiritual warfare. You are still in pajamas. God prepares you and God will teach you the strategy of having to rely on his ways so that he can use it to produce something great in you. Some of you are wondering tonight. He said a word. Yes, he said a word. It is genuine. And you are asking, why is it taking you so long? May I give you an answer? If it is not long for God, then it's not long for you. You know, I wrote in my notes here that they will keep quiet and stare at me, even though I'm a very, very shy person. Are you learning something? Learn to value the ways of God because his ways are diverse. When he wanted to take his children out, he opened the Red Sea for them. You agree with me? When he wanted to bring them into the promised land, he didn't use the staff of Aaron. He used the priest to step into the Jordan. Did you see that? And the beautiful thing, Pastor Gloria, that I learned about that is that God said to, God said to Joshua that let the priest, let them stand in the water and the water of Jordan will open. And I read in my book and I thought about it and I said, I don't see it opening. Because when they stepped in, the water was still flowing. If it was to be today's church, they say false prophet. Didn't he say that when the priest stepped in the water, the water will, will, will open? But it didn't. The water kept flowing. Until you read on and the Bible says that the Lord cut off the Jordan somewhere at a place called Adam. And I checked my Bible geography and Adam is 20, 26 miles upstream. That is where the miracle happened. Which means when they stepped in, the miracle started upstream and it took a little while for the water to flow. So I'm telling somebody tonight that your miracle started some time ago. It is in motion. For us, we think that everything miracle is fast. Miracle is not always fast. Miracle sometimes is process. I don't care how anointed you are. You can be so anointed that you glow in the dark. You will not be able to lay hands on a six-year-old and turn them into a 16-year-old. Process. Process. You have to value God's ways. Because when you know the ways of God, you are different. You are unexplainable. You are like an enigma. When people think they know you and yet they don't know you because you are unpredictable. Because the ways of God are superior. The wind blows where it wants. Nobody knows where it's coming from. Nobody knows where it's going. 
But we only see the effect of it. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Which means when you are a woman of the spirit, a man of the spirit, you must be so unpredictable. They don't know where you are coming from. They don't know where you are going to. Because they saw you last night when you were going through your, your lonesome valley. They saw you when you are lost everything. They saw you when everybody turned their backs on you. But they didn't realize that you were going to give an effect because God is taking you somewhere. You are like the wind of God. You are unpredictable. Some of you, you are too predictable. I can predict your walking and if I want to hijack you, I can hijack you. You must be unpredictable. Something about you that nobody can explain. I told you yesterday that if your detractors can explain you without lying, you are too ordinary. Value his ways. Become like somebody that nobody can explain. Am I helping? <laughs> the second wisdom is that you must value God's selection. Remember what he told Joshua, uh, Gideon, that the people are too many. Verse number three says, tell the people, if anybody is fearful and afraid, let him go home. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said, there are still too many. He brought them to the water in the end. They were left with only 300 people. Hear me. Everybody is with you. This statement that I'm making, let me wipe my face first. Everybody is with you. They are with you until they have an option not to be. I'm going to wait for it to sink in. God let Gideon to give them an option. There were 32,000 people. And they were all saying, Gideon, Gideon, Gideon. And God said, give them an option. At a point in your life, my friend, you have to sit down and let God pick your circle for you. Allow God to thin out your relationships for you. Gideon, Gideon, Gideon in CICC. Gideon, hear me, Gideon, female, Gideon, male, Gideon. You are going to fight some battles that you haven't fought before. So you don't really know, you don't really know who is truly with you and will go all the way with you. You've got to understand that. Remember all the people who said they, they are with you, where are they? Somebody listening to me, you are probably upset with the 22 people, 22,000 that left you. Not knowing that it's a blessing in disguise. You can imagine if these fearful people had gone with Gideon to war. At the first blast of war, they would have escaped. It's very important. Hear me. More is not always more and less is not always less. I hope I'm talking to you. You asked for this. I told you I don't preach tonight. I just want to talk to you. You've got to understand that. There are, there are layers of relationships that you must have. I wish I could download a lot like that. But let's go on. There are layers of relationships that you have. Jesus did the same thing. He came to the whole world. And then he, had the, he came to the lost sheep of Israel. Then amongst them he had his 500. Then he had his 70. Then he had his 12. Then amongst the 12 he had the 3. But at the end of the day he died alone. Layers. Layers. Learn to submit to the selection of God. 
Because 300 lions are more powerful than 22,000 kittens. Maybe you haven't, but you will find it. That as you press on, as you progress, as you advance in life, some, 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 there will there, be some thinning of people around you. Because not everybody can go where you are going. And nobody, not everybody will be happy for you. If you think everybody who is clapping for you is a friend, ask a mosquito. Uh-huh. You can imagine a mosquito going home to tell mommy, mommy, I went to bite somebody and they were clapping for me. Ah! You don't understand. Rewind. <laughs> the Lord said to Gideon, hey, Gideon, hey, Gideon, let me handle this. Ask everybody who is scared. You are welcome to leave. And 22,000 left. And he was left with 10,000. And out of that, the Lord finally selected 300. 29,700 were lost. But truthfully, it was not a loss. God knows that they were not ready for the battle ahead. Because when you have people like that, they will give you two headaches. <laughs> one headache is bad, you know, but two headaches. Headache number one. <laughs> headache number one, people of God. The enemy is in front of you. That is headache. And 29,700 are behind you. So enemy in front, frenemies behind. Two headaches. God can do far more with the right 300 than he can do with the wrong 10,000. Maybe this will be good for some preacher or some pastor tonight. Because many times we validate ourselves by the crowds. Let me tell you something. You cannot validate yourself by who sits in the pew. Because when Jesus, before he turned 30 and was baptized, Luke 3, 21, he had not done one miracle. He hadn't raised one dead. In fact, when he, he, when he wanted to start ministry, his mother shut it down. He was at age 12 or something. The mother shut it down in Jerusalem. Let's go home. And didn't preach again. But when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the, the father said, this is my beloved son. He hadn't done anything and yet God says, I affirm you. So it's not the crowds and things that must affirm you. That is not what makes God love you. It's your obedience to God that makes him love you. Why do we do this thing to ourselves, preachers? That we, go, we cry ourselves to sleep because so and so didn't show up. You are killing yourself. Relax. Calm down. Take a chill pill. I pray that the Lord will bless you with the gracious gift of goodbye. Yes, it's a gracious gift. I told your pastor, thing, I don't know, some mundane conversation. I said, when people want to leave you, even if you put a firing squad at the back of the building, they will still go. They are bleeding and they are still going. I've learned that after 41 years of ministry, I've learned a lot. I don't know a lot, but I've seen a lot. Listen, sometimes some people will leave you. May I say something to you? If you forget everything, please don't, don't forget this. 
God is too intelligent to tie your destiny with somebody who left you. God is too intelligent to tie your destiny with somebody who left you because when people are leaving, God is revealing. Sometimes somebody may leave you, it may hurt. I know a young girl, he, he dropped you. He promised you. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, if God showed you how that, who that man will be next 15 years, you will thank God he left you today. Because he's the only one who is on record as saying that I can divide the end from the beginning. Which means before the beginning began, I know. And so before he left you, God knew that it was good that he will leave you. You may hurt, you may bleed, you may cry, by all means do it. But after you are finished, put back the mascara and extend your eyelashes. Straighten your weave and put on some high heels and walk with a swagger and say, I am still here. Oh my God. Am I... Somebody needs to snap out of this and understand that they betrayed you, they left you, but God has never left you. How can you say you are alone when God is with you? My Bible says that when he hung on the cross, they all thought it was all over. They all ran away. They all left him. And they saw that he was put in a borrowed room. They thought it was all over. But after three days, he came up again. And my Bible says in the Gospel of St. John that Jesus appeared again to his disciples. And in this manner, hear me, ladies and gentlemen, they thought it was all over. They saw you going through your mistakes. They saw you going through that thing. They saw you going through the heartache. They came to commiserate with you and yet they laughed at you at the back. They went on social media and they did some hashtags. They didn't add your name but if anybody knows and have the brains of a fresh water face, they know they are throwing shades at you and you find it an impossible situation but let me tell you something. God has already got it figured and God has already got it covered for you and he knows that it is bad for you because he has seen the end even before your beginning began and he knows that everything is going to be okay. Listen, wipe the tears from your eyes. Uh, put on your makeup one more time. Uh, put some double layers of undercoat and things on your face. Uh, and Dress up and go to the party they didn't invite you. And just go and show yourself that I am still here. You thought it was all over but I am still am I talking to somebody? walk in the neighborhood like you are taking a walk so that they will know that you thought I was dead last last week but I am still here. Is somebody going to dress up? Come on. When God pulls people out of your life he's preemptively doing something that you will understand later. helping. The third one. Let me begin to finish. Anybody who said no, anybody who said no, we are very sorry for you. I'm beginning to thank you brother. Thank you. You are in the thing. You people don't understand English. Even me this African with a dictionary I'm trying to understand English. I said I am beginning there's a difference between beginning to finish and finish. Just like there's a difference between whether you are finished completely or completely finished. There's a difference. So the third wisdom key, are, are you getting some wisdom tonight? Is it helping you? 
value his estimation of you. Value God's estimation of you. The Lord said, verse 9 and 10, he says that, get up Gideon, go to the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. Now listen to something like an anomaly. He said, but if you are afraid to go down, take Pura, your servant, with you. And I thought long and hard about this, Pastor Chris. And I'm saying to myself, can you imagine God saying to Gideon, if you are afraid to attack? But a few minutes ago, you were saying to Gideon that there are some fearful people around you, let them go. Meanwhile, you yourself, you were fearful. Can you imagine? Why did Gideon get to stay when the people with the same traits were disqualified? God said, everybody who is afraid, you are disqualified. 27,000 were disqualified. And now he's telling Gideon, you are afraid. So take somebody. Then I thought long and hard about it. And I said this. That when you get some opportunities in life, when you get some promotions in life, when you get some liftings in life, don't forget that the same traits that were in some people who never got your opportunity are in you. So it's not because you are anything. That is why God blessed you. Let me tell you something. The church is the only hospital that sick people go to pretend they are well. You are not okay. I'm not okay. The greatest assembly of hypocrites are found in churches. We, we are not okay. We are not okay. We go to pretend. You see somebody, even a blind person can see that something is doing them. This is my own English. Something is doing you. They say, how are you Amorite? How We are all Amorites. We are all Amorites. How are you Amorite? How are you Amorite? And Amorite in the Hebrew means a proud one. An exalted one. Lifted. We are not okay. We are not okay. I'm telling you. Listen. Let, let me make this analogy. You, you, know, you know, Pastor Moses, I, one time I was in Texas, Dallas, Texas. I went to preach and somebody took me out to buy me something. Went to the store. And I saw this. I don't normally like that, you know. And I, I don't, If you're a man and you like shopping, you need deliverance. But, you know. You know, you know, you know, you know. The, the, yesterday, I gave you a few tidbits like married people. Listen, you must, you must, we are different. Men are different from women. Women love the experience. Me, when I go to the store, if I need a blue shirt and I go to the store, I know I'm looking for men's department. Then I must straight where the shirts are. I know my neck size. I know my sleeve length. In three minutes, grab blue, pay, I'm out. Now, please hear me. This is, this is, this is, this is between me. Oh, come on, come on. This is between me and you. If my wife hears this, me and you wear the same glasses. If my wife wants a blue dress, that is when I discovered that not every blue is blue. Will you men, what do you know? What do you know? Women will teach you that not every blue because, listen, they will show you that they are still blue, 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 Nigerian blue, aquamarine blue, not because the blue must match a particular blue that matches the blue. But me, it's the blue. It's a difference. So women have this shopping thing that, listen, my, thank you. And this shirt is like the shirt had not been, they didn't finish showing it. You know, like today's the jeans that some of them wear. It's like they didn't finish showing it. 
And there was a label on it that says that the irregularity in this garment is what makes it unique and expensive. And I said, this is me. The irregularity. So I am teaching somebody something. I don't have, I think I left a long time ago. Raised here but left a long time ago. In America, you can go to a store and you can see this beautiful dress. You can tell that this dress was made for you. It was in the mind of Jojo Amani to do this thing for you. But the only problem is the price tag. Because you look at it and you know this one, on, on conference Sunday, I must wear the thing. In fact, the thing must wear me. But it's the price, 1,000 pounds. Yeah, 1,000 pounds. And you know that, especially when you're married and you buy it, there's going to be problems. Women, can I talk to you? Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your husband. If it is nice, buy it. Wait, wait, wait. If it's not, buy it. Then hide it for three months. And then wear it. And when your husband says, that a new dress, he says, no, I've had it for a long time. Loving life. And all the women said... doing okay. <laughs> I'll be gone. I'll be gone. I'll be gone on Monday. I'll be gone on Monday. But I see I see this dress, Pastor Gloria. I love the thing. I must wear the thing. Thousand pounds. It will bring problems. It will bring a seismic something in my home. So every Saturday I go and check. You know America they do ridiculous sales. So one day you go to look at the dress. This, in fact the price is even gone up. 1,200. So you are depressed. And you are minding your business going. You are walking through the aisle. Then you see the dress again. This way say the blood of Jesus. You check the thing and it's gone down. 400 pounds. What? You go and check the thing. Same label, same place. Then you go and check this. Same label, same place, but lower price. But the catch is that they have written here, you buy it as is. The store is giving you fair warning that this garment is the same as this. But the reason why this one is reduced is because there's something wrong with it. We won't tell you that there's a zip that won't zip. There's a stain that won't go. There's something that is ripped. But when you buy it and you take it home, you will discover it. But because you bought it as is, there's no return, no exchange, no refund. All of us are in the as is department of life. There's something wrong with us, I won't tell you. Anger, snoring, all kinds of things. We won't tell you. But when you marry us and you take us home, you are going to find it because you married me as is. And because you married me as is, no return, no exchange, no. Oh, come on. Is somebody getting excited in the house? No returns, no returns. I tell people that the person you married here, it's not the person you are taking home. You will discover. Everybody puts on their best behavior when they are dating. In fact, the older you get, you don't change. You become more like yourself. I think I'm talking too much. I better sit down. But hear me. Value God said to a fearful person, you are a mighty man of valor. So please don't act like you are all that. You are not all that. The things that we speak against in some people, even sometimes unbelievers, they are in us. But it's only that we speak Christianese. 
You know how some people, one thing I can't stand is people who preach to me on their, on their voicemail. Praise the God. I'm sorry, I cannot take your call right now. But in the name of hallelujah, Jesus, if you, if you leave, praise the Lord. Amen. Can, come, hey, hey, can, can, can we be okay? God cared to Gideon, mighty man. You know what? The thing about Gideon was something. It was authenticity. Because if you watch Gideon from the time he encountered the angel, he was honest to God about himself. He said, I can't. Where are all the miracles? I'm the least in my family. He owned up to God. Hear me. You will never be able to ignore, you will never be able to overcome what you ignore. Neither will you be able to deal with anything you consider normal. Pastor Chris, can you tell your people to stop staring at me? I'm a shy person. I don't like that. Why do we play like, uh, we, we, we play act in church? Could it be the reason why God cannot use you to do great things? Because the pretense is too much. Sometimes, listen, me, some of the greatest prayers I've prayed, and I'm, I pray, I'm a prayer machine, but th there's no prayer that I pray that I know I have prayed, and when I go to God and I say, that, I say, God, look at me, me, I'm not correct. Just fix me. That's all. Great prayer. I say, Lord, I'm not correct. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I'm just tired. Just be authentic with him. We, we pretend too much. You are dying and we, we pretend too much. Just let him know. Learn to put all your fears, your insecurity, inadequacies, whatever on the altar and say, Lord, this is me. Because if you bring it, he will fix it. God did not judge Gideon's fear. He taught him how to fix it. And he taught him where to go to get it fixed. He said, take a friend with you and it will fix this thing. You are walking about. You know that it's not there. Seek help. Be authentic. That is all that God is looking for. This is called a smile. Am I helping you? Value his explanation for you. He's using you in spite of you, not because of you. When God gave David an opportunity, he said, I will not let you build because your hands have prosecuted too much, your was full of blood. But I'll let your son, I'll talk about that tomorrow. Let me hold fire. But even that, David went to sit before God and ask God, who am I? Who am I? I pray that prayer to God all the time. Because I look into my family, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the brightest. I'm not the best. In fact, if there's anybody disqualified, it should be me. And yet, sometimes, that is why, listen, you just have to humble yourself. God will not humble you. If you want God to humble you, he'll humiliate you. Humility is you yourself. With all the giftings. That is why sometimes when you see people like, that, like us going through things, Paul said that I had abundance of revelations and visions. The only human being on record who went to the third heavens saw inexpressible things he was not allowed to talk about. And he said, lest I be exalted beyond measure, lest pride will get to me. That was given to me. That was donated. That word that was given. That word given is the same word, charisma, donation, a gift. Paul's gift was 
a thorn in the flesh. I don't know what it is. Theologians have different renderings. I'm not here to let you think that. No, I don't know what, because he didn't tell us. But all of us says three times. Can you imagine the apostle Paul, Pastor Chris, going to God on three occasions, wrestling with God that take this thing away. And you know something he said? Concerning this thing. And everybody has said this thing that we don't talk about. It embarrasses us to even acknowledge that they said this thing. Paul said concerning this thing. That could be pretty embarrassing for the apostle Paul not to mention the thing. A thorn in the flesh. Concerning this thing. I pleaded with God on three occasions. And having said, Paul, deal with it. I left it. It's a gift. Then revelation came upon me and I said, ah, God is attracted to my weakness and therefore I will glory in my infirmities and my weakness because I have discovered that it is when I'm weak that I am dangerous. Because it is in your weakness that the power of God is manifest. Sometimes you think you have it until God tells you no. Sometimes it is your weakest places that God shows himself mighty. Concerning this thing. Paul, what is this thing? So I won't tell you. But everybody have had this thing. It embarrasses us to talk about. It makes us look in the mirror and hate ourselves. It sends us to the basement of shame. And we hate ourselves in equal measure. And yet one time we are on the mountaintops of the display of the power of God. And next time we see ourselves in the dungeons of despair. The apostle Paul says, oh wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? But thank God. Thank God. That there is now, therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, even though it was weak through the flesh, God did by the spirit. Listen, we are all that we are because of the spirit. We are able to do the things that we are able to do because of the spirit. That is why we need to humble ourselves. And know that, but for the grace of God. Sometimes I go back to my roots in Ghana. We have, we have, we have. You know, all this WhatsApp group, classmates, and all these things. And one time, I went to our class reunion. And I sat amongst the people. Pastor Gloria, they didn't even recognize it was me. They were planning the 50th anniversary of our class. And in their talking, one of them said, we need to get, they mentioned a, a particular nickname. And they said, we need to get him. He's a bishop in America. We need to, and they were planning how to find me. And I was sitting there. And I was looking 20 years younger than all of them. Until I started laughing. Like Jesus, he said, here am I. Say, whoa! And I look at that and I say, but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, that could have been me. Because these are some of the people who taught me how to smoke. These are some of the people who taught me how to drink. These are some of the people who taught me how to do bad things. I remember one time... A member in our church in London, when I was pastoring here, came to me. I think we were having a convention, and he took a flyer to his work. And one of my classmates, so I said, Ovozopia, he's a pastor. Go and tell him that God has punished him. He's a pastor. And tell him, he said, mention my name. I was his classmate. And when my member came, anytime my member comes and says, I met your class, I tell them, I don't have a classmate. Because that night, I died alone. And I was buried alone in baptism and I came out to walk in newness of life. 
And so I told my friend, I don't have a classmate. That person he's talking about is that old creature. He's in the Old Testament now. There's a new creation that has risen. My sins have been dropped. The charges have been dropped. I walk in the righteousness of Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus has washed me from the top to the bottom. I am free. I am white. I am clean. And the righteousness of God has made me who I am. And so I speak with authority. But at the back of my mind, I know that but for the grace of God, Let me finish. <laughs> this one is the finishing finishing. Number four. Number four. Number four. Value the execution of the plan. Verse 15 and 16. I hope I've taught a little bit today. Then tomorrow I'll preach. We'll sweat tomorrow. When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and interpretation, he worshipped. Now note carefully. When he heard, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Rise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian, of Midian into our hands. He divided the 300 men into three companies. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches in the pitchers. And he said to them, look, look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, do as I do. And he goes on and on and on. God gave him the plan. God said, go. If you're afraid, go and listen. There's a dream that somebody is telling. And when Gideon heard the dream, he knew that victory is here. This is a strategy. The first thing he did was he worshipped. Then he went back to the camp and he organized the 300 he had to execute the mission with excellence. Please listen to me. Gideon won not just because he bowed and worshipped. He won because of what he did after he finished worshipping. I told you yesterday that after your prayers, move. Make a move. After all the prayers, spoken all in tongues, capital letters and small letters. Shokoloko Bangoshi, take a ride on my hand, tie my bow tie, all that. Execute the thing. Look at Gideon. He organizes 300 into three companies. This is order. The reason why a lot of us, we get so tired and overwhelmed is that we lack order in execution. Let me do you a little leadership and let me get out of here. It is time to bring some order into your life because this order wears you out. Treat time like time is your most valuable, non-renewable asset. Get some discipline because you cannot advance without order. He divided them into three companies. Execution. What is God telling you? You have the strategy, but are you executing it? Please, get off this horse that is called, I am waiting on God forever. Could it be that he's waiting on you? I told you yesterday, when will you move? When they were sitting outside, between possible breakthrough and walls, one of them declared, why do we sit here until we die? Let's make a move. Listen, if you change your position, God will change your situation. Make a move. Do something. Start that business. Start that ministry. Rise again. Maybe some pastor, listen, you are looking at me online. I'm, I'm, let me look at you straight in the eye. Please don't blink. Let me tell you something. It could be possible that the people that left, you know, the, the, the pandemic, the COVID, it, it's a type of flu, isn't it? 
And everybody got the flu epidemic. You two, your people got it. It was not F-L-U. It's F-L-E-W. The flu epidemic. You're going to come back. What are you, why are you punishing those who come back with those who didn't come back? Change your message. Because they are, those are there. They are there for you. Your 300 are there. Stop the belly aching. And know that right there with those few left, you can take your neighborhood for Jesus Christ. It is possible. If God can raise the dead, God can raise your church one more time. Don't dissipate your energy. Falling after people who will never come back. By all means, look after your online congregation. When they need anointing oil, anoint them online. One time I told somebody, I will anoint you online. <laughs> you understand that. But Gideon said, and I'm finished, hear me. He said to the people that look at me, watch me and do as I do. Young men, there are a lot of you in this house. Watch your pastors. Watch your leaders. Watch them. Observe. Many of you, you don't observe. That is why you don't get good lessons. A lot of you see things, but you didn't look at things. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. The first thing was that it was a call to transformation. Number two, a call to observation. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And then finally he said, every man stood in his place. That is how CICC, this army will win. Everyone in their place. Concentrate on the assignment that God has given to you. You don't just get up and leave what has been given to your trust. Because if God cannot trust you with the little that he gave to you, he won't trust you at all. Favor finds the faithful. And God will not put favor on you when you are absent. CICC is marching on. Not by human ways, but divine ways. 300 lions. With 300 lions, Gideon defeated, multiplied thousands of millionaire kittens because he advanced and warred by the wisdom of the ways of God. Seek his way. Follow his instructions. And watch him use you in ways that will surprise you forever. My name again is Franco Fusapia, and I approve this message. Shall we take some 120 seconds and let's engage in this? Maybe of the four points that I gave to you, there's something, one thing that God has ministered to you about. Maybe you have tend to, you tend to look down on yourself. You look at your background. Listen, the fact that you were born with your back to the ground does not mean that is your background. host of people went with me from our church and after the Thanksgiving service I told all of them I'm going to show you something 
if you can, you are carrying them, Pastor Gloria. We went to a place near a huge drain. We call it gutter. Huge gutter. And there was an old building. I'm sure it has never been painted since the white man came to Africa. And there was a feathered writing on it. Mother's maternity home. By a huge gutter. Drain. And I took them to stand there. And they said, Pastor, why are you? Why, why are you? And I said, I want to show you something. You see this thing? This little shit, hat. This is how I, where I came into the world from. My mom gave birth to me from. They said, you? I said, yes. I was not born in a palace. I was born in a manger. In a, beside the gutter. But I didn't remain. It would, be an, it would be an anomaly if I remained at the gutter. So you see me today. And you see all the things that we are able to achieve. I am mindful that he picked me up from there. Mother's maternity home. That is why I came into this world. On the 10th of June, 1957. 65 years ago. That is where he picked me from. And so if you remember. Because let me tell you something. The people that know God can be humble. But the people who know themselves cannot be proud. You will understand it when I'm gone. I remember it clearly like yesterday when I took them there. Because that is where almost all my siblings were born. So I know the place. And it's beside the drain, smelly drain. That is how I came into the world. And if my Savior who died for me came from the pristine beauties of heaven, to live on this rubbish dump called earth for 33 years and he didn't mind. What is my pride? I tell people that on the day when Jesus was transfigured before his three disciples, that thing was not a miracle. No. It wasn't a miracle, pastor. Why do I say that? Because what the disciples saw that day was what was normal with Jesus. The essence, the, the Bible says that he began to be transfigured, living light, the Greek still bow, living light came out of him. The miracle was that for 33 years, he kept it undercover. So your miracle is not the display of your gift. Your miracle is you know you can do it, but you keep calm, you hide it. Can you talk to him? Talk to him. Talk to him. I don't know what you want to engage with him. Maybe you say, Lord, I want to know your ways for my life. I've been all over the place, but I am stopping. Lord, show me your way. Moses said to the Lord that if I have found favor, show me now your way. Because what blesses me can bury somebody else. What blesses somebody can bury me. Talk to him.